we get started, let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning just with graciousness that we can gather together and worship you, Father. Lord, we lift up our many prayer requests. Lord, there are those here this morning that are not spoken. There are those that are not here with us this morning that have prayer requests that you know about. We don't need to know about. Lord, we just pray that you would just intervene in each circumstance and that your sovereignty and your grace and your mercy be bestowed on each and every one of those prayer requests. Lord, we just pray for your protection. Lord, we just pray that as we go over this, these words this morning, Lord, that they resonate to a people in this nation. Lord, I just pray that you would stir hearts Lord, I pray that you would just revive this nation. Bring us a revival. Lord, we ask for a revival. That, that people would just pour their hearts out to you and be redeemed. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we talked a little bit about the biblical principles of government. And I hope uh, that... That was good. Uh, this morning, I want to continue. We've got about a couple of more weeks after this week. And I will, I will go ahead and, and tell you, next week is going to be a complete presentation. Uh, I'm going to show you a, a presentation on the Black Lives Matter organization. Okay? Not all lives matter, okay? This is, not, this is on the Black Lives Matter organization. And I'm going to show you... Uh, some media on it, and, and Pastor E.W. Jackson is who you'll be listening to. Uh, we had the privilege to to hear this in person, uh, and it was recorded, and, and I want you to, I, it's a very important, I want you to hear it next week. The video on it is not great, there's points, he moves around a lot, and sometimes his head's cut off, but that doesn't matter. Uh, the content is what I want you to hear. Uh, so be prepared. Next week, uh, I won't be standing here presenting to you. I want you to hear uh, that that presentation on uh, the Black Black Lives Matter organization. Okay. Uh, again, I don't want to be misconstrued what I'm saying. Um, I believe all lives matter. So uh, that's what the Word of God says. This morning, though, I, I want to talk to you about does God have an ideal for civil government? What does He say in His Word about His ideal of government? So we're going to go over that this morning uh, here and, uh, and clarify some things, hopefully. So, uh, again, I'll have scriptures in here. Uh, no need to turn and listen, but, but I want you to... To, to lend your attention to me, if you will. So, does God have an ideal for civil government? Well, we know that He He set up government in the Word of God. Okay? We're going to see here this morning some of those principles pulled out. And I believe that as you sit there this morning, you will see where we as a nation have strayed from that. We, we have moved away from that. So let's get started. We live in a day when man is aggressively trying to redefine the definition of a family. Would you agree with that? Sex outside of marriage is celebrated. 
Divorce has been accepted as a norm, and man is even pushed to legalize same-sex marriage. God has tolerated a lot. But when asked about his intent, his ideal, he responded in Matthew 19, 3-8 like this, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, It is lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read, that he which made them out of the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. God's patience has put up with a lot. But don't confuse what God is tolerating with what His ideal intent was or is. How do we know what God's will is? Look at what He created. The family. He created the family. That's how we know what His will is. We know that God established the realm, a realm of civil government. But is there one type that is more in line with God's design or intent for government? Sure there is. What was the original form of government that God established? Let's look. When we think of Israel, it is likely that our original conception is wrong. We think of kings and monarchies. True, don't, don't we, we? When you look at the Old Testament, you think about all the kings and the judges. We've got books named kings and judges and this and that. Well, it is true that God was to be their king, but Israel in its own form was not a monarchy. The nation of Israel was a commonwealth of 12 sovereign, self-governing tribes or states with legal boundaries with a common worldview operating under a unifying constitution, the Torah. We often think of the law of God, the Torah, in an only spiritual aspect. The law consists of three sections. The law, which is God's morality, which, trend, which always transcends time. Do not murder, do not steal, and do not commit adultery. Statutes, God's ceremonial system of sacrifice. This system pointed to the Lamb of God, Jesus, which was sufficient to take away sin. The sacrificial system of the law of Moses ended with the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Jesus as the veil of the temple was rent. Judgments. Civil law for the well-being of the safety of the, of, of the people. We talked about that last week. Government was set up to protect the people. Within the comprehensive natural uh, nature of this law, there were policies that dealt with basic banking and business, fair weights and measures, fair trade, debt, bankruptcy. Did you know that? A person was limited as to how as to the amount of debt he could assume. Boy, if we did if we threw that out there today, we'd be in a bind, wouldn't we? They were limited by the amount of debt they could assume. You had the ability to mortgage up to six years of the value of your labor. 
I wouldn't get very much. <laughs> if it was based on my labor, would you? Or you could mortgage your land, but you couldn't sell it. You could mortgage it or lease it up to 50 years. Then it would be returned to your family. They were taught as a people to be productive, prepared to lend, but don't be a borrower. If you were caught cheating in business, you paid it back with a penalty. If you stole something, you didn't go to jail. You paid it back fourfold and or worked off the value. There were rules for sanitary safety, whether it be the latrine or the proper washing of dishes or the putting of sick people in quarantine. Why? God is concerning with, concerned with health and well-being of His people. Rules so they would not be overworked. They were required to rest on certain days, both employee and employer alike. Rules that pertain to taking care of the poor, not handouts, but charity where the poor could work for their food and feel the satisfaction of providing for their own families. Rules that pertain to morality and the family. Rules that pertain to military service. No man was found guilty without a fair trial and guilt could only be established at the mouths of at least two or three witnesses. God lined up the different areas and responsibilities for these different areas of government. Self-government, first one. It's up to you to provide for you and to take care of your health and welfare. Boy, we're in a stark contrast to that today, aren't we? Did you, did you, did you hear that? It's a personal responsibility to take care of you and your health and your well-being. It's not up to the government to tell us we got to mask up and try to protect us all. And if you go back and read the Word of God, it's clear in there, if it, when they were sick, they were put away quarantined. Does that apply today? If you're sick, stay home. But the rest of you, you're free to live your lives however you see fit. But that's not that's not how we are today. We got governors and and well, I tell you, well, it amazes me at how how county judges and mayors think they are so powerful. Little bitty peons in the grand scheme of things. There's one in Dallas County. I don't know if y'all see him on the news. But man, if, if you listen to him, you would think he was the president. Trying to, trying to inflict his rules and his own agenda on the people of that county. When the Word of God says it's a personal responsibility. If you want to put a mask on, put it on. If you don't, don't. It's up to you. That's between you and God. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not downplaying COVID. It's a flu. It's, it's, it's an illness. But in my opinion, it's not something that that should be taken out of context the way it is right now. Family government. 
is the next one. It's up to you to train your children in the way they should go. It's not up to the state or the government. It was up to the parents to care for their kids, train them to be adults, and when elderly, it was up to the children to care for their parents. Widows and orphans were cared for, not by the state, but by the individual and the family. Is that, is that what the time, are we living in, a, in those type circumstances now? Absolutely not. Civil government was to ensure the safety and well-being of the citizens of Israel, to defend their life, liberty, and property. That was what civil government was established to be. In their dispensation, certain work was set aside for the priesthood. We still have a fourth area, but not the priesthood or the ecclesia. Has the responsibility of providing humanitarian needs and promoting moral truth. Israel was not ruled by a king or a giant central government. During major crises, God raised up rulers to whom the people consented. Example, Moses to lead them out of tyranny. Joshua, military general to lead the conquest of the promised land and divide up the land. And, it, and judges to lead them out of oppression, somewhat like the colonies calling on a judge named General Washington to lead them in the Continental Army. They were a commonwealth of 12 tribes, states governed by one rule of law. No need for major taxes as there were no standing central government or no standing army. There was a militia of every able-bodied man across the twelve tribes. They trusted in God by following His instruction and trusting His design rather than putting their confidence in a powerful man or central government. They chose out from among themselves capable men who, were feared, who feared God, loved truth, and hated covetousness to judge righteously in all matters according to the law. Oh, mercy. Could we go on about that? That's part of our problem. When, when we've put people in places of authority, we hadn't held them to these standards. We hadn't made decisions based on these standards right here that I just read. They chose out from among themselves capable men who first feared God. Second, they loved truth. And they hated covetousness. Now you tell me if our leaders and government is not absolutely opposite of that. They hate God for the most part. Most of them are God-haters. Well, I sound like Jerry, don't I? Most of them are God-haters. They hate the truth. And they all they are is to get anything and they can for themselves. They love covetousness. Am I wrong? Absolutely not, I'm not. There was an assembly of elders that represented the tribes themselves in national assemblies. You can find this in Numbers 10, 2-4. And the elders that judged in the gates of the city were also, you can find in De Deuteronomy 16, 18. Tens, 
fifties, hundreds, and thousands, there was to be no favoritism to the poor or the rich. What do you hear all over television? One or the other, don't you? Bribery was forbidden, and the goal was righteousness for the people. Unfortunately, in 1 Samuel, Samuel was near death. The Philistines were an imminent threat to their security, and rather than trusting God and obeying His instruction and following the law, there was no security, safety, or order as every man did what was right in his own eyes. You remember that? We went through that. Originally, they had no king. God gave them a constitution, the Torah, and they were to be self-governing. But only a righteous people are capable of freedom, and we know that Israel eroded morally to where every man did what was right in his own eyes. Sounds like America, doesn't it? Rather than trusting God by obeying His directions and enjoying His blessing, they did it their way, just like we've done it our way. Made a wreck of things, just like we made a wreck of things. And concluded, we need a strong central government that can, can take care of us when we have needs and protect us from our enemies and tell us what to do. God, through Samuel, told them that it was not for their best. It was not a good idea, but they did not trust His wisdom. They didn't trust God's wisdom. They wanted to be protected by and ruled by an earthly monarch like every other nation was at the time. With this biblical background, it's important that we remember that America once was and how we were designed to operate. We were built on biblical principles. I showed you that in that, in that documentary. One of America's worst presidents who led in the establishing of the Federal Reserve and changing the purpose for which the Senate was created wrote a column published in July 1887 in the Political Science Quarterly. Here's an excerpt from it. Wherever regard for public opinion is a, is a first principle of government, uh, practical reform must be slow and all reform must be full of compromises. With opinions... Possession is more than nine points of the law. It is next to impos- uh, impossible. It is next to impossible to dislodge them. Institutions which one generation regards as only and makeshift approximation to the realization of a principle, the next generation honors as the nearest possible approximation to that principle, and the next worships the principle itself. It takes. Scarcely three generations for the hypothesis. The grandson accepts his grandfather's hesitating experiment as an integral part of the fixed constitution of the nature. He says, you got to make slow change. You got to introduce it to this generation. Then you got to grab a little more with the next generation. And by the third generation, they'll adopt it and, and, and love it and think that's the way that it's supposed to be. That's how... That's how we have regressed in our nation to the point that we are. Over time, these, these God-hating, anti-God government officials have, have slowly over time put this and that into, in, into our laws and into our government and, and bled it out into our culture until 
now generation after generation after generation, we've got this, this group of people that believe and wholeheartedly believe that that's the way it should be. That's exactly how this has come to where it's at. The president was charged with the responsibility of carrying out the will of the people as decided by Congress. Did I, did I? Hold on. I just totally skipped. I'm sorry. Let me go back. In layman's terms, what the first generation would resist but, would, uh, but eventually accept, the next generation would accept because their parents had and every following generation would operate under the assumption that it is and has always been that way. Today, we believe that 320 million people are ruled by an all-powerful president with a phone and a pen or a Supreme Court, which neither is true. On July 2nd, 1776, representatives of the 13 British colonies voted to approve the Lee Resolution and officially succeed from the British Empire. After two days of haggling over the final wording, the Declaration of Independence was signed and the 13 states became 13 sovereign states or nations. Each state had its own constitution or government. By the way, they were all very heavily influenced by Christianity. For example, consider the excerpt from the Delaware Constitution. Article 22 states this, Every person who shall be chosen a member of either house or appointed to any office of place of trust before taking his seat or entering upon the execution of his office shall make and subscribe the following declaration. To wit, I, blank, do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his, whole, his only Son, and in the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. That is in the Delaware Constitution. After declaring independence, the tyrant king of England wasn't planning to let them go. The 13 states constituted a formal union called the Articles of Confederation for securing their common defense, their liberties, and their mutual and general welfare. Each state clearly retained its sovereignty and freedom and independence. In fact, when the Treaty of Paris was signed after the war, it was between Great Britain and each of the free, sovereign, and independent states, which made up a voluntary union called the United States. In 1787, representatives of those 13 United States gathered in Philadelphia for the stated purpose of strengthening the Articles of Confederation. Instead, they drafted a new constitution in order to form a more perfect union. Since all men were created equal and there's no, there was no divine right of kings, who has the authority to rule over another? No one. The states constituted a limited central government to take care of their general welfare and their common defense. Delegated few and very specific powers to this new entity retaining all other powers to themselves and rather than vowing to be ruled by a supreme monarch, they pledged to submit to the law 
which was specifically and clearly defined and limited in the Constitution. Knowing the sin nature of man when power is concentrated, power was divided between each sovereign state and what was delegated to the new federal government. Then the power was divided within the federal government. The House of Representatives was proportional and represented the people. All spending measures originate in the House because the government has no money. Remember that. The government has no money. The only money they had or have was the people's and it was derived from taxes or from limited loans which obligated you to pay. The people. Senators were appointed by the state legislators and they represented the states. Each state was equal with equal representation. Only Congress had the power to make laws and their power was defined and limited by Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Federalist Paper Number 45 addressed, addressed this issue in this very way. The powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. Those which are to remain the state government are numerous and indefinite. The, the former federal government will be exercised principally on external objects as war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce, with which the last, the power of taxation will, for the most part, be connected. The powers reserved to the several states will extend to all objects which, in the ordinary course of affairs, concern the lives, liberties, properties of the people, and the internal order, improvement, and prosperity of the state. The operations of the federal government will be most ex extensive and important in times of war and danger. Those of the state government in times of peace and security. Does it feel to you like your state has more authority over you than the federal government? That was the way it was designed, is for the, your state to have more authority over you than the federal government. But it's backwards, isn't it? All we hear about is, is stuff coming down from Washington. I don't, I don't hear that much stuff coming from state legislatures. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm out of touch. The president was charged with the responsibility of carrying out the will of the people as decided by Congress. The first five presidents, Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe, are referred to as the founding era presidents, as all, we are, uh, as all were alive during the founding era. During their combined 36 years in office, they issued a total, listen to this, these five presidents in 36 years, they issued a total of 15 executive orders and 10 vetoes. We get an executive order every day or two. They did not believe that it was their responsibility to rule over the people but to enforce the law. The Supreme Court had a very limited jurisdiction as defined in Article 3 of Section 2. Israel's original design was a commonwealth of righteous, self-governing people in their sovereign tribes, unified and governed not by an all-powerful man, but by their written 
Constitution, the Torah. America, original, America's original design was a, was a voluntary union of righteous, self-governing people in their sovereign states, unified and governed not by an all-powerful man, but by our written Constitution. The concept of the Constitution is the only way 320 million people can possibly coexist. Liberal states have the right to be liberal. Conservative states have the right to retain their conservatism. However, we agree to work together for a common defense and our general welfare. America has been exceptional. We have been the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and most sought-after country in, the world, in, any, in our world history. We are the only country in 2,000 years to provide Christians with civil and religious liberty. It has not been an accident. The closer you get to doing it God's way, the better it works. America has never been perfect and never will be, but we have been exceptional when compared to the rest. We have been exceptional when compared to the rest. Sounds like we got it backwards right now, doesn't it? It's completely turned around. We, we are not supposed to be governed by a heavy-handed government. That wasn't God's design. Instead, God's design was for us to live according to His Word and be governed by that. And i got news for you. We all know that it won't ever happen, but if everybody would live by God's Word, there would be no need for none of it. But it is time for God's people to realize the state that we're in. It is time for God's people... I can't tell you how much ridicule I'm getting right now on, or, on social media. That's okay. That's okay. When you stand up for God's Word, it ain't supposed to be easy. That's okay. I'm ready. But it's time for God's people to realize the state we're in. And it's time for God's people to say, we're not going to accept this anymore. We're not going to accept people in places of authority saying that, we're not, that, that we're, they're not going to govern by the principles of the Bible. The only ones that can change that is we, the people. Let me tell you something. It's not, it's not who's in the White House. To me, more importantly, it's those who are in those, those other two branches of government. Because as long as those other two branches of government have the right motive and, and, the, and the right outlook on God's principles, it doesn't matter. King Kong can be sitting in the White House. He can't get nothing done. According to our Constitution... But see now, now there's this talk. Now there's this talk of of of, of these these folks who who are just trying to, or they're considering, if they get in power, changing the Constitution. I've showed you clearly how our Constitution and the founding of our nation was set up on godly principles. I don't think any of us can argue that fact. 
But now because we've got lost people in, in places of, of, of governing and they don't like God's Word and they don't like His principles, so, so now they're so mad and Satan, Satan's stirring up so much stuff that, that if we get in power, we're going to change it where we can never lose power and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna change all this. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That ought to concern you. That ought to concern you. But we have a chance. We still have a chance to not let it happen. But it's going to take the, the people of God getting off of their tail ends and getting out and electing people who fear God. Who fear God. And putting those kind of people in places of authority. But if the people of God sit on their tail ends and don't do nothing, it's fixing, it's fixing it. All, all your freedoms and religious liberties are fixing to go away. And you'll never, ever get them back. I'm telling you, you say, well, you're, you're promoting fear. I'm not, listen, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. But I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I am convicted that, that this is what needs to be heard right now. This is what needs to be heard right now. People are blinded to the most ridiculous stuff, trash, putrid Stuff. I mean, you can't even believe the stuff. I mean, it, it just uh, it amazes you. I know why, and it, it has me asking myself, how in the world do these people believe this stuff? But I know why. It's because they're separated from God. That's why. But God's people cannot afford to sit on the sidelines. November the 3rd. God's people, Facebook, listen, God's people cannot afford to sit on the sidelines on November the 3rd. Period. I don't care if it's Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. You need to look at the platform. You need to look at what the parties stand for. And I'm going to tell you, if you do that, you can't. You could care less who's at the top of the party. Period. Say, well, I don't like so and so. He I, and I don't like. So, I, listen, listen, listen to me. It doesn't matter. I don't like them either. But as a child of God, I have a responsibility. I have a personal responsibility to take a stand for His principles and His word. You say, well, I hadn't voted. In well, well, I'm going to tell you something. That ain't right. Because by you not voting, you're not standing. You're not taking a stand. You're accepting or condoning all that mess. We have a personal responsibility to stand for what God says is right. In abortion... Same-sex marriage, transgenderism, ain't none of that right. I, I, I know. I can't believe you said that, Pastor. I'm telling you, it, it ain't right. What God calls an abomination is an abomination. Period. Period. There's no discussion over it. That, that, that Word of God is good 
accurate and stands from the beginning of time to the end of time. Period. God's people need to wake up and stand up for what's right. I want to show you a quick clip number two if Kevin's ready on socialism and then we'll dismiss. Why socialism doesn't work? Lesson number two. Why work? The founder of modern socialism and communism was Karl Marx. His vision was from each according to his ability to each according to his need. But does that really work? Imagine being in a college classroom. You're preparing to take your first exam of the semester. As is always the case, some students studied a lot and worked hard in preparation, while others did not. After the test, the grades are posted. And as you'd expect, some students earned A's, some B's, B's, D's, and some flunked the exams. So your socialist professor announces, some of you did really well, but some of you didn't. So in fairness, I decided to take the sum total of all your test scores and divide it by the number of students in the class, and that way you'll all have a 75, which is a C in a passing grade. Well, the students that didn't study thought that was great, but the ones who did study said, why work so hard if we all get the same grade? So for the next test, the bad students still didn't study, but the good students said, if we aren't rewarded for our work and sacrifice, we aren't studying either. This time when the tests were graded, there were no A's and B's to make up for the failing grades and bring up the class average. And everyone failed the course. That is socialism in the classroom, and that's why socialism has failed in every country that's ever tried it. Ask yourself, whether it be the old Soviet Union, Cuba, North Korea, Venezuela, why is every socialist country run by a dictatorship, and why has socialism failed in every country that's tried it? Socialism never works. Socialism is evil. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you that it appears that you are stirring the people of God to stand up for your word. Father, I just pray that you would protect this church, protect your people. Lord, I plead to Brother Jesus over each and every one, even those that couldn't be here this morning. Father, you know each and every need. You're more than capable to provide each and every need if we just lean on you. We thank you, we praise you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.